Good morning. Hello, Rich. How are you? Well, I'm okay. Waiting on technology and having a good time all the way around. Is that a good time? <laughs> Every day is a good day when you know Jesus. That's true. I can see all of the uh, notifications popping up on my phone that things are live, so you must be doing good. That's a good sign. Must be doing something right. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> as we are getting into this this morning, how is your new Mac experience? It's going. <laughs> I made the mistake of doing too many things at once. I got a new computer. I got a new email address. And so I'm trying to transfer everything over. And it's just really did not make things easy on myself. But here we are. And your email address for the address for the podcast remains the same. <clears throat> Something oh, wow. real life online dot org. Getting the plug in early this week. <clears throat> well, we are the home of professional podcasting. That actually might be the most professional thing you've ever <laughs> <laughs> Right, right there with the coughing in the microphone. That's right. always a good thing. I'm still working on that super cut of all the cough. So <clears throat> well, I just keep trying to provide more material. <laughs> more content. Yes. So anyway. So anyway. Let's talk because that's what you do on a podcast. Generally speaking, it is. And you know, it, it's funny how many times uh, since Sunday, this is we're recording on a Tuesday morning, but since Sunday, it's astonishing to me, <coughs> excuse me, just how many times um, the things that we talked about in the sermon on Sunday have come up and, and just in, uh, just in your everyday occurrences. Oh yeah. Just in, just in conversations and dealing with life and hardships that have come up uh, through the through the week, I'm going to do it also an extremely professional thing. And I'm going to actually chew gum on this podcast so that I don't choke to death and cough anymore. So uh, Mr. Schaefer, my oral comm teacher from high school is uh, with the Lord now, but he would be mortified. Well, it's better than well, death. So, <laughs> Although that could, you know, that could add to the views on our live stream. <laughs> and ultimately that would be great for me. To live as Christ and to die as gain, I'm ready to go home. But anyway, as we're dealing with, I'm not, before anybody calls or emails, no, I am not suicidal or anything like that. Via, but, via chewing gum. But to borrow, to borrow from, the, just from the song, I'd take the train today if you'd let me. So anyhow, um, we have been seeing all kinds of things from people talking about, I continue to get uh, messages and conversations about um it's probably insulting for me to say it, but what I'm calling conspiracy theories about all these end times things. When has that stopped you before? <laughs> it never has, and it never will. But the the just this whole thing of you know coronavirus is the government taking over. It's the mark of the beast, and the antichrist is ushered in by all these things. And don't you see this in the scriptures and so on? And I do see in the scriptures where Paul and Jesus both say, "Chill out, stop stressing about." signs and dates and all these different things what's happening here's the basic overview you know the lord will return when he returns there will be judgment i think it's pretty clear from a number of passages not only in in thessalonians but in a number of passages that uh he will rapture the church prior to the great tribulation but ultimately that doesn't matter a whole lot these are tertiary issues these are at, at least tertiary at least third level Issues. These are not primary things that, that we're looking at that are required uh, for faith in Christ. 
There's so much in the Bible that is clear about how to live our lives today. And ultimately, everything that Jesus said about the end times and everything that Paul said about the end times, and even, I think, ultimately, the revelation that the Lord gives to John in the book of Revelation, everything that we see is to expressly give us confidence that God knows what he's doing and is in control of all things. And to give us encouragement and motivation and even warning to live for Christ now, not to keep on, you know, oh, let's look at, you know, how this government is part of a vast Illuminati and blah, blah, blah. Even if all of that were true, and I'm having uh, worked uh, at one point uh, closely enough with government agencies and military in the military to recognize most of these things are not true. Some very likely might be, and some, in fact, for sure are. However, that's not really relevant to our everyday life because we've been called. I've been told recently, and and I'm going to kind of riff here for a minute. I've been told recently by a couple of people that pre-tribulation rapture theology, as is called by some, that this is a lie from the pit of the devil. It's the most dangerous teaching that's ever come upon the church, and it's going to keep people out of the kingdom and cause them to fall away. That is just specifically not biblically true. The reality of the, of the fact is that Satan would deceive the elect if it were possible, but the elect cannot be ultimately deceived. We stand for Christ. We die daily. We are ready for persecution at all times. Because that's what the call is. That's what Jesus told us to be ready for. That God is sovereign in our suffering. He has always been sovereign in our suffering. He will always be sovereign in our suffering. He was in the Old Testament. He is in the New Testament. He is at the end of time. And we all need to chill out on speculations and quarrelsome, ridiculous things about how the government is deliberately destroying our food chains, our our, our, food. food supply chain so that it can create a famine to usher in the antichrist and we all have to take the COVID-19 virus that will be the mark of the beast. Give me a break. All of this I agree. is so specifically opposite of what Jesus taught and what Paul taught, even if it's true. If it's true, it's still specifically opposite of what we've been called to in the scriptures very clearly live as if he's coming back today right you put your stuff in order work for the kingdom to make disciples to live with the power and grace of god displayed in your life and understand that god is sovereign in all of it and yeah the devil is working through through covid-19 the devil is working through the you know i had a um a sick calf at the farm that was uh, just not thriving. God is God is working where the devil is working, but God was working long before that. God is not on the defensive; He's on the offensive. So yes, the devil is trying to get at us through all of these things. When when families break apart, when when the government uh, goes in a direction that is contrary to what we see in the Christian worldview, when our when our public schools doing what they think is the best thing actually contradict uh, what we what values we want to teach our children. All of these things, yes, without question, the devil is working hard in these things and making them uh, his weapons to the best of his ability. But God has already 
planned from the beginning that every bit of history, personal history, uh, national history, world history, every bit of it planned for us that his church, that those who are called according to his purpose will be brought to repentance, to the foot of the cross, and then after having received Christ and being saved, that we will be conformed to the likeness of Christ. So every bad thing that happens is, yes, the devil is trying to use that to shipwreck you, but God is using it to strengthen you. He's using it to shape you. The things that break us down, that get us to the end of ourselves, where we have nothing left, we're flat on our back in despair and depression, are designed by God, ordained by him, to bring us to a place where we have no other hope or help but him. So the core reality we talked about on Sunday, what the devil intends as a weapon, God has ordained as a tool. He's already planned it and appointed it for you specifically to bring about your discipleship, to shape you more and more into the likeness and image of his son. Jesus. Right. So then it's an issue of how we, as Christ followers and those who are not Christ followers respond to the, to what the devil That's is right. doing. You know, it's, That's right. it's so easy for something bad to happen. And I think you even mentioned this in the, in the message on Sunday, you know, something horrible happens in our life or, or a natural disaster or whatever. And we, our, our first reaction is how could God let this happen? What kind of a loving God would do that? Or, or if it's something personal, why is God putting me through this? Why is God doing this to me? And it's, it's, feels much easier in the moment to just want to fall away from, from, uh, from your belief, from your faith, from, from your, your, your giving everything to God. You want to take it into your own hands because you Absolutely. think that it will be like, I can do this. I can get through this. And I think, you know, we've talked before about, you know, especially the, the North American uh, mindset of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. And right. we have a tendency to want, I, I, I am totally guilty of this, wanting to be in control and fix things and whatever. And when times are hard, it becomes even easier to do that. Absolutely. And the, the devil likes to keep us on that pendulum. We, we talk about that a lot, the swinging back and forth from, from the prideful independence that I can do it. It's my own strength. It's my own understanding, my own education, my own ability to, to be wise. And we can spend that a lot of different ways and, you know, say that it's our humility to study Aristotle and so on. No, it, it's the idea that, that there is a strength in some, in some form of humanity. Well, look Whether at how popular, you know, self-help books are. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, so we swing from that end of the spectrum where we are, um, whether we recognize it or not as such, we are pridefully independent of God. We want to be able to do it our own way. You know, like the, the toddler who, who is growing, yes, but, you know, doesn't want help. You know, let me do it. Let me do it. And that's great. I know how that goes. <laughs> yes, you would. Uh, or the teenager who is just uh, uh, so determined to stand on their own two feet or the, or the 20-something or the 30-something. Or the divorced woman, or the uh, the man who uh, ha has had a, a certain job his whole life, and now suddenly it changes. And we want so desperately to prove that we can do it ourselves, and that's so contrary to to the humility that we're called to. And the other side of that, the other swing of that pendulum, is the devil takes us so far the other way 
that we don't work at it. God gives us a brain and he calls us to effort. And so we're like, well, it's all God's grace. So I don't have to, I don't have to live right. Or God's going to take care of me. So I don't have to worry about being diligent and hardworking and excellent in my job or having right. a job, right. you know? And, and so one of the things that is, has always been and always will be a mark of a true reading of scripture of a true disciple is balance. One of the things that has always drawn me to uh, Pastor Chuck Swindoll, um, as, as, as I've been listening to Chuck Swindoll since I, mean, I was a kid, so in the 70s, when, when he first started on the radio back in 78, 79, something like that. I've been listening to him ever since, for forever. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he has consistently taught, which has influenced me, but also has affirmed for me the trustworthiness of that ministry, is a passionate, fanatical, if you will, commitment to balance, to, to say not always in the Old Testament, not always in the New Testament, not always on this topic or that topic, but always radically committed to God's word in its entirety, in the wholeness of it. And then when we apply that in our lives, not in such a... a fanatically literal way that we lose the context or we lose uh, the, the, um, the genre of the, of the particular passage of scripture, considering we have a, a book made of 66 books, which has a variety of genres from poetry and apocalyptic literature to legal documents. We have so much in there. And when we start to lose that sense of balance, then we lose the reality of who God is. And we lose the picture of what God has been doing, is doing, and will be doing from beginning to end. And that's what God reveals to us in the, in the Word. So, uh, you know, to circle back to what we were talking about in, in God's surprising sovereignty and suffering, the picture of God's sovereignty is inescapable through the Scriptures. I mean, you can't, you can't get away from the fact that he is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He's the master of everything. Not only did he create everything, but he holds all authority over everything and, and uh, has given all authority to the son. But, you know, just in, in skipping through, I, I left so many scriptures out that I wanted to use on Sunday and, and a couple of, um, you know, obvious ones to me. Uh, one, one of the biggest ones really was, was Jeremiah 29, uh, specifically verse 11, that I think we use out of context a lot of the time. Well, I know we do um, as an inspirational thing. But really what it is, is a call, it's a call to Israel to be comfortable or to Judah to be comfortable in God's sovereignty, knowing that God in his loving uh, authority, his his uh, just his being God in, in his loving, compassionate uh, commitment to us, he sovereignly introduces things that in the moment are bad. And he sovereignly uses people who are actually opposed to him, those who would be God's own enemies, to do God's work. Just like we're seeing in, in Acts 8. But the devil intends as a weapon, God has ordained as a tool. So in Jeremiah 29, God has spoken to the prophet to tell his people, I will send you for 70 years into exile in Babylon. 
And after 70 years, the appointed time for Babylon is through, then I will bring you back. And when I bring you back, then you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And you can rest assured in this. You can be comfortable and confident because, as 2011 so famously says, I know the plans that I have for you. Right now, that involves going to Babylon, being in exile. Don't listen to the prophets who tell you, oh, God loves you. He's bringing you back. He's got a, you know, this wonderful plan. You can live your best life now here in Babylon. And God's going to deliver you. And you can just, you know, you don't have to give in to these. So you, you really need to recognize that I know the plans that I have for you, and my plans for you, even in exile, are always good. They're always plans for your prosperity, not necessarily the prosperity that you have in mind. Right. You, I'm going to just pour out blessings to you and give you everything you want. That's what bad parents do to spoiled children. God is not a bad parent. God is a perfectly loving perfectly wise, perfectly able parent who says, my children need to be holy more than they need to be happy. And when they learn to be holy and to be content in me, then they will find unceasing, unsurpassable happiness, this joy that overwhelms the circumstances rather than being dependent upon them. So that's what God's telling his people in Jeremiah 29. I didn't bring that up on Sunday, but it's through the entire scripture from beginning to end. You can't escape it. Yeah, I think you used the uh, analogy on Sunday of um, teaching a child to, to ride a bicycle and, and, let, and letting go at, at some point. And, you know, they might fall, but uh, through that, <laughs> they learn, you know, and they keep get back up and they keep going. And then eventually they, they're not going to ever learn how to ride a bike if you're holding on to the That's seat right. the whole time. Very true. Good parents let their kids fall. Good parents let their kids get dirty, get scuffed, get hurt. But they do that with the conscious intent, not, of, not negligence, but the conscious intent to protect them from greater harm in greater situations later where there's more gravity to it. So that as they learn these things, they develop character, they develop the ability to adapt and to overcome, to, to live with character and integrity despite adversity, which they will inevitably face as adults when the stakes are much higher. And if they didn't learn that as kids, they're not going to be able to do that later. Right. Well, God is preparing us for eternity through all of these temporal sufferings that we face. And, you know, it's... I mentioned, you know, that, that it's all through scripture, just a, a quick spin through some, some passages and I know we're moving along in the podcast, but uh, just to see how much in, in so many different places we see it. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Let no one ever doubt that. But uh, just spinning through, uh, this was from, uh, um, from openbible.info, uh, just searching the word sovereignty. So just without even going into depth, this is what open Bible pulls up. Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. 
First Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. So we see that God is the, the one who does these things. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. By the way, these are all uh, from the English Standard Version. Job 42, 2, one of the passages that we looked at on Sunday. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Uh, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my counsel, counsel shall stand. And I will accomplish all my purpose. Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Psalm 103.19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. And he continues to, the, to lay this out for us throughout the, the Bible. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop there, but you know, I haven't even gotten to the New Testament passages yet. And I've got like eight pages of this, right. uh, of going through it. One of the things that we have to come to terms with is that God, to be God, if he is everything that we count on him to be, that we see in the scriptures, the God that we trust, the God that we're able to trust because he is God, because he can do these things, he can do all things and his plans can't be thwarted. We can't then say this God has limitations. He's not allowed to do X, Y, or Z. We can't, you know, we can't embrace that God would bring these events into our lives because in our minds, we see that as evil. Therefore, God must comply with our expectations that we can't have it both ways. He's either sovereign in all things, including these dark and heavy things, or he is not sovereign at all. That's the nature of sovereignty. He is not, he's not a, a vassal king who, who is, has a limited authority under uh, some greater king. The devil has a certain amount of authority that he has been permitted for this time, but he is on a leash. He is restricted. He can't act beyond his authority. He can't because God is sovereign and God alone is ultimately sovereign. We as humans have been given a certain amount of authority and dominion on earth, but that is restricted by the authority of God. We have as the church authority in the spiritual realm, but we are still only, we only hold that authority as delegated authority. So we are restricted by what God tells us to do. God is unrestricted. He is not only the unrestricted, all-powerful one, but he is the uncaused cause. Before anything was, God was. Before there was creation, there was a creator. He is the uncreated one. So everything, everything in existence Everything that is conceptual in our minds all derives from the person, personality, nature, character of God himself. That God cannot be somewhere off in the background, not involved or not sovereign in every aspect of our lives, and still be the God that we just described. Those things become antithetical. Right. That's almost, so, that's almost personifying him. 
like he he can't you know, like he it's 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 very easy for us to think of god as a person right instead of a spiritual being you know uh and and when you do that you put limitations on him because people are limited but, well and as comic book people um you know whether you're talking about a dc universe or a marvel universe i am universe, talking about a dc universe of course <laughs> because of your limited scope uh, but for, for those of us who are able to see beyond that and i believe that in, in time and with maturity and years that the holy spirit will make that clear to you anyhow as we are as we are looking at it uh whether you're talking about dc or marvel or probably just about any other uh comic company that the approach that that they have is you have to keep coming up with bigger heroes bigger villains right so and the bigger the hero you got to have a bigger villain to be able to threaten that hero so one of the struggles with Superman, who has, you know, long been one of my favorites, um, you know, back, oh, especially back he's DC. <laughs> he is, yes. The difference between us is I love both. All right, all right. So anyhow, um, the the struggle that DC had with Superman was he was too powerful, right? He was he was invulnerable. So they had to keep coming up with new ways for Superman to be defeated. Pretty tough to defeat the invulnerable. But they kept coming up with these beings uh, in, in both of these universes that were referred to as omnipotent. Mm. Well, that becomes a problem because if you're omnipotent, there is no scenario where you can lose or even be in question. You can't even be in jeopardy because you are all powerful. And there can only be one omnipotent being, one all powerful being or if there are two, then you become subject to one another's power, and then neither of you are all-powerful. If you don't have the power to overcome another power, then you're not all-powerful. So God is not like those comic book things that, that are, you mentioned that personification, where we make these, we create these heroes, these gods, in our own image. That's what comic book writers do. They basically not for worship purposes, but for fiction purposes, they create these essentially. Well, even here, here's idols. your Marvel reference for the day is Thor. He's a God, right? Right. So yes. there you go. For an example. Yeah. But he has, he has weaknesses. I, he, he can be defeated. He's not <laughs> omnipotent, you know? Right. So they create, they create these comic book gods that are similar to the pantheon of, uh, of the Roman and Greek gods. And so when we see those types of things, they are gods created in humanity's image. So they have limitations. They, uh, they are subject to judgment by others. But the God of the universe, the one true living God, is not subject to anyone or anything. Good and evil are defined by his character. They do not stand in judgment of his character. They derive from his character. Therefore, what God does is inherently good. What God, what God condemns is inherently evil because God does it, God endorses it, or God condemns it. As God does these things, endorses these things, commands or condemns these things, he is the definition of what is good and righteous and true and just and and. and all that we consider to be virtuous, it all finds itself in him. So therefore, if God allows suffering into our lives, then if the God of the Bible is true, and obviously we purport that he is, we stand on this, then 
Romans 8.28 saying, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We could do an entirely, uh, we could probably do a series of podcasts just on what we're talking about today. Because we haven't even scratched the surface yet, right. probably because I'm ranting too much. But um, but when we see that God has those that he loves special, he loves the world, he loves his created beings, he loves those who are created in his image, all of us, but he has a special love for his family, for his children, uh, which was expressed in the Old Testament through Israel and is expressed today through the Church of Jesus Christ. And so as we see God working through all of these things, his sovereignty in our suffering is actively, proactively working out all things, including Satan's very rebellion, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Those who are saved or will be saved are in God's mind as he chooses to structure and organize things the way he does as he ordains certain things to happen and certain things not to happen as he uh, ordains allows even if you will causes to which we don't really have time to develop anymore today now we have one minute (laughs) he does all of those things to bring about the good the ultimate good of those who belong to him Mm -hmm. which is the ultimate glory of God. So even evil, the existence of evil comes to highlight God's character and God will judge it. We looked at Isaiah 45 uh, and the call of of Cyrus before he was ever around and on the scene um, where God was going to use, he had used Habakkuk's big gripe with God is that he uses ungodly Babylon to judge his own people. How dare you? How could you do that? He doesn't say how dare you, but that's kind of the tenet. You know, and, and so God says, look, I, I don't have to explain myself, but wait for it. This will happen. As I said, it will happen. It will go where it needs to go. I will do things that you wouldn't believe that people had told you. Right. You just trust me. So in Isaiah 45... God then does the opposite side of that. Having used evil Babylon to judge his people, now he will use Cyrus, this king who is not yet king, who will one day be king, who God here mentions by name and says, this is a, he will not acknowledge me. This is not a a king who's going to serve me. It's not going to be my king. And yet he will serve my purposes and he will restore. He will bring my people back. And he's going to do it not because of profit, uh, not because of a, a monetary drive, but because I've called him to do it and I'm going to make this happen. So God uses things that we could not even begin to picture the things that, that are evil or appear at least to be evil or have evil intent of their own. God has already ordained before they existed to use those for his glory and our good. Well, we will stop there for today because like you said, I feel like this is, we can lead into a whole other conversation here, but um, we will stop there for today. Maybe we should come up with something. I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, We're gonna make it's a too big. Secondary a, podcast. Too many people are suffering. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Some, something to talk about. Part B. Mm, something to really talk about. <laughs> <laughs> to talk more about. Right. Something we can't shut up about. All right. But we are going to do that right now. Um, so we will uh, be back on Friday. Uh, 
any uh, spoiler alerts for what, what's coming up this week that we're going to talk about? Well, with all that God has been doing in the book of Acts and, and the fantastic, wonderful, amazing growth of the church, and then the persecution that, uh, that comes and leads to the spreading of it, we see um, a variety of different scenarios where the gospel is spread and people respond to it. And in the rest of Acts chapter 8, we can see the continued story of Philip spreading the gospel and we see a picture a couple of different pictures uh, of conversion uh, of two different responses to the gospel one in uh, simon the sorcerer and another in the ethiopian eunuch and so as we go through that we'll take a look at at this um, these two different kind of a, a tale of two responses all righty so be sure to uh, check back on Friday for that. Uh, if you guys have not yet checked out the uh, sermons on our Facebook page, we're we're doing video right now uh, with all this going on. So, but we are still posting that at ten oh four ten ish. I think Facebook only allows you to do the actual hour. Uh, uh, Facebook is at ten oh four. YouTube only allows it at ten gotcha. o'clock. Well, around 10-ish, so check for that on Sundays. Uh, the podcast schedule is as normal, and as always, if you guys have any questions, as Rich said at the beginning of the podcast, feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org or leave us a Facebook message or leave us a voicemail, which is, I think, maybe the first time I've said that this year. <laughs> you knew it was yeah, coming. Yeah, I couldn't hold off forever. So thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye, Rich. See you later.